Hello everyone and welcome to this new episode of the Slow Spin Society podcast. Just a quick note before the episode starts. First, I want to thank all of you for the immense amount of support we're receiving right now. Uh, I am really happy, I am really enjoying this project and Fabian and I are really pushing towards more Slow Spin Society, more content, even more stuff. So you guys should be able to see actual, practical Slow Spin Society items in your hand towards end of the summer, September. So thank you again and please continue to share the podcast, talk about it with your friends. It's nice to have like a strong following that pushes you make more things and go forward. A second thing is the audio quality of our guest this week is not on top. I have to admit that uh, we had some audio problems and some network problems, but in the end, it was still an amazing interview. So I had to cut some short parts. That's why the episode is a little bit shorter than usual. Apart from that, it is still one of my favorite episode uh, recording with this month's guest was something absolutely crazy for me and I loved every minute of it. All right. I hope you guys have a nice episode and yeah, see you on the next one. Bye bye. Welcome everyone to episode 23 of the Slow Spin Society podcast. I am your usual co-host Paul, and as always, I am with your other co-host Fabian. Hello Fabian. Hello Paul. And today we have a very special guest and I'm super happy you're here. Welcome Leo, Leo Rogers, so happy to have you here. Thank you guys, thank you, thank you. Uh, today we're gonna have like this episode with Leo and talk about his approach on fixed gear. You might have heard a lot about him or read about him a lot recently, but it's like, I think it's worth taking a shot to talk with him, like really laid by conversation and, and see what we can come with. Uh, if you want to hear more on cross bike secret page, Californian traffic and more again of the Tokyo Olympics. Yeah. We talked about that again. Then you should listen to the pre-show. You can access the extended conversation at patreon.com slash podcast or by subscribing directly on Apple Podcasts, but more on that later. Again, Leo, welcome to the show. Uh, even if a lot of people already know your story, where you come from, uh, and like why you ride, would you mind presenting yourself a little bit and how maybe how did you get into fixed gear? Yeah. Yeah, my name is Leo Rogers, 36, from uh, Tampa, Florida, over here in the States. Uh, I was involved in a motorcycle accident, which uh, amputated my leg, you know, just living life on the on the edge is what I like to say. But uh, I kind of mm -hmm. just used that, uh, that accident and just kind of turned it into ability to ride bikes just because I kind of found cycling, you know, as a way of uh, a freedom for me. So uh, just kind of got back into cycling again and... Uh, Found this thing called a fixed gear, and that's when things just took off for me. And I like just started using the bike for everything. It kind of became a prosthetic, and didn't know that uh, I had such a big following. It was almost like a Forrest Gump movement. <laughs> you know, you just <laughs> go on and go on. Next thing you turn around, you're like, "Wow, okay, well, this, is this, this is the reason why I'm still here." Uh, so uh, I just decided to keep pushing that movement, and 
here I am talking to talking to you guys, having a great conversation. Awesome. I've seen you recently on like the climbing mountain with pros video of state bikes. Yeah. Really cool video, by the way. Uh, if you guys haven't watched Thank it, uh, definitely check it out. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I w I'm not going to lie. That moment, your chain uh, got off. I was sweating a little bit. I was like, oh, God. Oh, God. And yeah. in the next 10 seconds, it was like, oh, he got everything under control. No problem. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely a moment because it like, I went to like try to hop skid and it just came off and I couldn't unclip. So I'm like, oh, shit. So I had to like sit down, unclip. And then I couldn't like stand up because I couldn't find the pedals. I was like, oh, okay. I got to oh, my God. So I'm like, it's gonna be new shoe day today. <laughs> that was like the first thing. <laughs> new shoes. <laughs> it's oh, it's no. like that quick think moment, you know. Yeah, it <laughs> so hard because it was actually we were like descending. I'm like, okay, okay. I'm like, okay, wall. <laughs> I found the wall. You <laughs> were like, go for the wall. It's like, like at least stop. <laughs> yeah, that's one way to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> I just did the whole BMX thing and just. Put my foot on the back tire and slid it on down. Yeah. <laughs> like, look at it. It's my wall now. I am stuffing. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Second, man, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so you ride fixed gear uh, daily, and we talked about it in the pre-show that uh, now that you live in California, you don't even own a car. It's just like you do everything on your bike. Uh, but you also have quite the racing experience on the track, but also with Tim Brooks on some endurance gravel events. Um, can you can you tell us a little bit more about because I have I don't know about endurance gravel. It is completely unknown to me. All I know is like the the dirty Kansas videos that looks rad. But that's all I know. So yeah, I kind of just did some kind of you know running events. You know, pretty much my whole life growing up. And, uh, you know, after my accident, I kind of got into racing, got into like velodrome racing, which was like so dope. It kind of just brought me back to, you know, my roots of running track again. And uh, I, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, it was just like you know, a newfound life. But the only problem was I didn't have a velodrome close to me. The closest velodrome was like three hours away. I was like, well, damn, how am I going to, you know, get track time and practice for this? So, uh, you know, just doing a bunch of fixie rides and stuff like that. And, I had to find some kind of other way to kind of exert myself. So I started doing like cross racing, like going to like cross events and track lacrosse was kind of this was kind of starting up. People were like just making like these little track bikes and just taking them off road. So I kind of built up one myself and I would do both the events. I would do the cross event and then I would do the fixed gear event. Like, <laughs> you do both? I'm like, yeah, why not, man? Like this is training. So they're like, all right, they're both 45 minutes long. Like, man, holy shit, I got to think about this. <laughs> like, all right, all right, I'll give it a shot. So I started doing, like, both events just because, you know, I just needed that practice. And it was just so fun to ride fixed gear off-road and to have to think about the timing, the rocks, like, just to think about so much stuff. It was, it was mind-blowing. So that's what kind of, you know, kind of got me into it. And then um, when I started uh, – you know, getting more and more active into it. That's when the whole uh, the Brooks thing came about, and that's when we got invited to uh, DK. And uh, I was like, well, wow, okay. How did the, the 
the track guy from Florida get invited to a 200 mile <laughs> gravel event here. Like, <laughs> got a question on that, but uh, it was all on Brooks. Brooks kind of just brought me on board, and I was like, "All right, I'm about that life. This is this is dope." And uh, it was just on from there. It just kind of just I just kind of transitioned from like wanting to ride velodrome all the time to just I only need to take one bike with me, and I don't even care if it's dirty. <laughs> you know, like it could be dirty, and it's okay. So it yeah. kind of simplified my life. I don't have to carry, you know, multiple bikes, multiple things, all this stuff. I can just carry one gravel bike and, you know, some bags and I'm good. And it just simplified my life even more, you know, just in life in general. Like I can carry the same stuff and go for a commute. So uh, it's just the whole gravel scene has kind of changed everything and just kind of, I would say, matured me and just kind of opened my eyes to, you know, just the off-road life and, you know, what cycling can bring to you and like more of the culture of it. Like it showed me that camping and bikepacking is like, has been around forever. And, you know, just to kind of see gravel pick back up, it kind of also, you know, revamped that and, you know, brought it to its attention. And, you know, now more and more people are, you know, getting outdoors riding. So, you know, I'm just here to kind of help push that movement and also show that, you know, others that, you know, of any disability that, you know, you can do it. And, you know, I will say if you want to do it, you don't always have to go for road biking. You can always go for the gravel side, which is probably a little bit more fun. And, you know, you can see a little bit more of the, the nature. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, also, there's I mean, it's great to hear what you're doing with like your advocacy as well for, for people of all abilities. I really, I really think that's, that's, that's great. Um, and in regards to gravel racing, like endurance racing, there's this person ex-pro cyclist from the Netherlands I follow called Laurens Ten Dam. Hmm. And he's doing, um, he did gravel locos in Texas, I believe, like I think this week or last week or something. And it's a 170 mile endurance gravel race. And he, he took some videos, videos of it and he won it and it looked really cool. And I was just looking on his page and he also did uh, a, one, a race called Migration Race, which is 700 miles in kenya wow. this year wow i heard about that one that one looks really 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 cool yeah i think i heard about it. brooks also sponsored a, a team to do that race if i'm not mistaken i think i've seen that on their uh on their page yeah it's like a bunch of people i didn't know it was 700 i didn't know it was 700 miles though Oh no! Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I, I was looking at kilometers. Oh, it's 650, 650 kilometers. What is that? That's like, like four hundred miles. That's like the tour. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. That looks really cool too. It's not a one day race, is it? No, it's uh four stages. So I okay. Guess four four days. That's pretty active yeah. though. Yeah. Especially in Kenya, I feel like you could find yourself. Uh, was like a bunch of lions at any moment. No, right? <laughs> Damn. But yeah, with, with gravel, you could really have more options when it comes to route planning and, and setting up races anywhere. You don't need like fancy yeah. pavement or blocking off traffic or any, any of that. Yeah. Damn. Is it, is it, the Dirty Kansas was 200 miles, right? Yes. Yeah. On a scale of 1 to 10, from your personal cycling experience, how hard was it? Ten. Like, it Ten. was that hard that I didn't want to quit, but I'm like, yo, I'm about to bunk out. We're already at 100 miles. Like, I'm bunking out, bro. Like, I'm not getting in no car, but 
we need to find the shortest route because if I got to do another hundred miles, I'm gonna die. <laughs> like I literally thought like I was gonna die, dude. And I'm like, all right. So we found like a shortcut, but the shortcut was even harder. Like even harder. I'm like, yo, I should have did the fucking regular route. This shit sucks. We're like straight crossing, <laughs> mud crossing. Like I'm like, this is horrible. <laughs> I just want to just lay in this mud and just fall asleep. Like, it was that bad. So, oh my God. I still want to try to complete it, but man, I think just getting to like that hundred mile and know that you got to do another hundred was like the uh, the breaking point for me. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a real like mental mental game right there. Yeah, then all the elevation and stuff like that, like that was just it just got me. It just beat me up. And like the the people racing to be number one or number two or number three or whatever, those are like real like crazy people. I think just finishing two hundred miles that is already a massive achievement in 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 and of itself. And you know, you know, I I got a job like this. You know, I gotta like go to work and all this stuff like that and do things like that. So it's just like, man, like I wish I had that much time off to to train for stuff like that. That'll be uh, pretty cool. But I also gotta live a normal life. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, and like in, in regards to that point, yeah, I'm thinking that too as well, right? Like these people train like full time, probably sponsor and everything. But I watched this video, I think by Safa Bryan, I, I think it was in California as well. Oh, yeah. And he was cycling, he was cycling with this one one guy who had the most KOMs in this in this Los Los Angeles area or something. And that guy also works like full time as like a university professor and everything. But he still has like 300 KOMs or something crazy <laughs> like that. So I mean, he has a wife and kids as well. So I don't know if they even see him ever. But... <laughs> yeah, some people are just nuts when it comes to cycling, right? Yeah, they are. Sometimes you see people that do so much stuff. You're like, do you really have 24 hour in your day? It seems like you have double that. I know, right? I wish I did, man. I'll be. <laughs> I'll probably be a, a top tier athlete for sure. Then, <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. All right, Fabian, you want to take the next question? Oh yeah. So um, this is more about write your personal writing style. Uh, what type of writing do you normally prefer? Like outside of races, like are you a solo writer or do you write with a few buddies or in a big group or what do you prefer? I'm all around just because I'm always by myself a lot of times I usually find a random groups and then it's just like oh alright let's roll like one day I just went for like a little training ride seeing one dude like hey man what, yo what you doing like let's, let's go around like where you going I'm like I was going to Huntington and bags like alright well my girl's at work or something I'll ride with you roll with him got to the store to get something to drink linked up with another dude I'm like well this training ride just uh, turned into a beer ride <laughs> so <laughs> Stopped at a little spot, conversated, drunk some brews, and then another dude linked up with us. So we're like, wow. All right. So just four, four random ass dudes. <laughs> just because we all <laughs> know each other through cycling, we just all linked up and just rode. And it was like a great time. Like, I think that's what it's about, you know, just being in such a, in, in the cycling world, it's so big, but it's also so small that you kind of know everybody. Yeah. And, you know, social media has definitely helped that out for sure. But it's just like you can just be riding and you'll just see a group of people. And you're like, oh, shit, I know these people. Or you just might ask them like, hey, can I join you guys? And Yeah, I think like 
I mean, I think there people of, of all hobbies would probably say the same thing as me, but I think in cycling, if you see another person with a bike, especially if you're like in an area with not that many bikes or whatever, you're very likely to just like link up and, and become buddies or you're just going to at least talk to each other. There's no way around it if you, if you see each other. And I think that's a really nice thing to have in the cycling community. That's so easy to meet new people. Yeah. All right. A few weeks back, uh, we covered in the pre-show your new signature frame, the the Florida Man. Is it it released the day before we were recording? Uh, but you're probably the best here to talk about it. Uh, can you give us like a little rundown on the frame and what's it's like to ride? Since you obviously have one. Yeah. Um, I wanted to kind of create something that can definitely be you know, serve as a lot of different purposes. You know, I'm definitely in the fixed gear, so it's going to have horizontal slots, but always been, you know, kind of venturing off into like the big tire world and just hitting like trails and stuff like that. So I still wanted to kind of create something that had like the tire clearance, but I could still ride fixed and, you know, racks and fenders if I decided to, or even if I wanted to like turn it into like one of those, they call them clunker bikes, like the little beach cruisers that they take downhill. Here, <laughs> seen people do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they call them like clunker bikes. They just put beach cruiser wheels on the back and just fly down a hill. I'm like, yo, that's dope. So, you know, <laughs> kinda brought me to my attention. But and it was kinda, you know, based around the Bombor. I spent a lot of time and, you know, a lot of nights on that bike that I got yeah. so in tune with it that I like I wanted it to be also wanted one as a single speed. And mm-hmm. and that's where it all kinda came into play. It's kinda evolving something around that. And I just, you know, got to have the colors. Like, that's the main thing, you know. I wanted this frame to be, like, popping. So it just kind of went from there. I just wanted, like, a single-speed bombora that, you know, I can kind of just use for everything, racks, so forth and so on. And it's kind of different tire sizes, just different combinations. And, uh, you know, out came the Florida man. It just kind of works perfect for, you know, that that kind of Florida person. Now, if you just yeah. want a really decent little single-speed <laughs> or a coaster break something or fixed gear something or gravel bike track lacrosse you kind of get a little bit of everything you know with it and it's you know just because it's so flat around over there yeah what what's the max clearance on that again uh 2.0 ish but I got okay yeah that's point. that's massive it's all we need to know i got i got a 2.129 or tie hair on there oh okay <laughs> On the only way I could get that tire to fit on the front, I had to get a file. I'm like, I don't give a damn. I'm fitting this fucking tire. <laughs> it fits on the back, it's going to fit on the front. So it started out with like 10 PSI and it was like rubbing. I'm like, it couldn't even move. So I'm like, well, get the file. I just went to filing. <laughs> just went to work. <laughs> and I just kept pumping the tires up. I'm like, oh, I got to get at least, a, like, got to at least give me at least, you know, 25 or something, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> file until i like got it up there I'm like oh shit this actually worked so yeah I, I got you know 29 by like two ones on it right now with a little a little modification of course but uh yeah it, it's such a shredder such a ripper and, you know for all those bumpy roads like i don't feel nothing like i look for bumps <laughs> now. like i just look for that kind of the trees i just run them over like i don't care <laughs> it's like laying on the clouds it's almost like having like a little jeep or something <laughs> yeah a little colorful jeep sounds comfortable yeah. yeah it sounds awesome so pretty cool so 
like apart from the floor florida man what is your favorite piece of gear right now at the moment old or new or anything <laughs> apart from that my favorite piece of gear um has to be just some kind of like fanny pack like i gotta have some kind of bag or something either that or a speaker one of those two like those are like my favorite pieces of gear <laughs> Like <laughs> the essentials. Like if I don't have a bag, I'm gonna have my speaker. <laughs> you ride with a speaker? Oh, got to. Like I, I gotta play my music. Like that's usually, you know, part of the bike. So I wouldn't even call it like a piece of gear. Like it's gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I said fanny pack. But I, I gotta have my speaker, dude. It's just like it's such. A, it's like my bell, you know. <laughs> yeah, it can be. Play loudest shit. If we can get out my way, because I'm probably hauling ass. And then I can't like on the dime, like I, you know, if I wanted to, just because you didn't want to grab your little child on this boardwalk. <laughs> now nah, I got <laughs> whip skid everywhere, so it kind of you know, brings people to their attention and you know make them kind of look around and you know, especially when they hear the music I'm playing, they're like, "What the hell is that?" Yeah, it's like the the guy from Mad Max movie, the guy with the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Are we gonna see a, a Florida Man version two with a integrated Bluetooth speaker? Oh, <laughs> even better with the aux plugging somewhere into the frame. That'd be rad. So <laughs> I just said that I actually have a oh. Dynamo hub on my other wheel set for my lightning bolt, and uh -huh. got like a little light. But I'm actually gonna try to figure out how to like rig up like USB and all that stuff to where it's like fully powered, where I can like you know plug my speaker in everything the whole night. Damn. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's it's like when they see the bike outside, they'll just steal that, leave the frame. Full <laughs> <laughs> car. That's the move. That's the move. I completely understand like the bag though. I, I I always cycle with the frame bag. It's just it's too handy to let go. Like just having an extra storage on the bike or just a fanny pack, yeah. Yeah, the the bag thing, like I have a I have outer shells frame bag. Uh you might know them, they're like a like bikepacking brand uh, in California, and I do, yeah, yeah. I bought the the front, the frame bag, and the big saddle bag. You know, for like big trips. Yeah. And so I bought them all in the same color because, you know, you, you kind of gotta be gotta be somewhat of cohesion there, right? Yeah, you gotta. And be. <laughs> And I was on my way to Spain a few weeks back and I stopped in a little shop in Bordeaux and they had the feedback, you know, the one you put a bottle in or whatever foot in that fits yeah, on the top. Yeah, exactly. And it was my color. And I was like, man, I need to get that. Get it's it. like, I need, <laughs> I need that. And now I'm I'm just I left it on the bike and it's there all the time. I yep. put food, water, my lock, everything, and it's just so practical. That's just part of the bike now. Yeah, <laughs> it's part of it. It's not it's not moving anytime soon. Oh, that's right. Nice. Talking about water, because you are in one of the hottest part of the world, right? California? Um Actually, no. Florida is probably gonna be the hottest. It's actually Florida is even hotter. Dude, yes, Florida is so hot oh, you no. take hydration to a different level. And then it wow. rains there, so it's like you know the heat is like it's so humid there that you have to take two showers. Like, oh yeah, oh, yeah I know so that. it's not even necessary of being hydrated. It's just like I gotta like take another shower because I smell so bad. <laughs> 
sweating all day, dude. And you just get so sticky. So it's not even like necessarily like drinking water. You learn to like start drinking like Gatorade and like anything with like a lot of electrolytes. So um makes your, your hydration to like next level to where I was like training on being dehydrated. Like I would drink a, a crap ton of water. And just like in any scratch race on the on the velodrome, you, you can't drink any water. And some of those things are like 60 something laps. So it's like the same principle. So I would just do my normal 25 mile commute to work, like no hydration. Like I would just coffee, waters and just take off. And that, that was my training. Yeah, like definitely in Florida, it's super humid all year round, right? Yeah. And uh, do you do you guys have aircon there? Like uh, air conditioning? Oh, you only. definitely have to have air conditioning. And okay, okay. Yeah, not necessarily here because that was something that was like mind blowing to me. I'm like, you guys don't have AC here? Like, no, you just open up your windows. I'm like, what? yeah so i was like this every day i'm like it's this temperature every day they're like yeah man I'm like wow this is nice <laughs> <I'm spoiled. laughs> yeah definitely I, like i used to live in, in a country where it was also completely humid all the time and if everything was air conditioned there everything and then I had a friend who never, who didn't have air conditioning in his room, and I had to sleep. I had to like stay the night there. And I was, I just couldn't function. I was like, I, I didn't sleep at all that night. I was just like in my own sweat, dying. It's like if you, I, I assume it's the same in Florida. Like you just exist and you start sweating. You don't yes, do like fans, something. Sometimes you have the AC on and the fans, and you like go so hot outside. <laughs> so yeah, so because when we chatted on Instagram, I thought you were still in Florida. Uh, but then you moved all the way west to California. Yeah. And I believe it's linked to some kind of training. Uh, do you want to say more uh, about that? Oh, definitely more for training just because of all my events were like climbing or in the velodrome or just, just something. And so I was like, man, this, this has to be the move to where I can like get to where I can, you know, do more training, like at least elevation. Because there's no elevation yeah. in Florida. Everything is flat. <laughs> so I don't think you got the bridge. So I just started like like thinking and like trying to figure out like, okay, all my sponsors are on the West Coast. There's a velodrome on the West Coast. Like I got water. I got mountains. I can go skiing if I wanted to. So that was kind of like the uh, the pick for me. And so we finna move and stuff in like bike boxes, sold a bunch of stuff and some other stuff. And uh, that's how I kind of went. Just kind of floated around till I found stuff. and. Just kind of just went from there and just started this new life over here in California. Yeah, it's, it's a big move. Yeah, it was. And it was during the pandemic, too, which was just kind of odd. Oh, little... wow. Because <laughs> flights were cheap. Nobody was flying at that at that time. So I'm like, oh, this is perfect timing. Like, like nobody's flying? Like, this is easy. <laughs> I read somewhere that... Uh, you moved to California so you you have like easy access to a velodrome. Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong, but you're gonna try to do the next Paralympics, right? I'm a, that's my goal because I know I wasn't gonna try to make this Japan one because it was just too much stuff going on and yeah. Said all I'm like all right, I'm just gonna take this year off as well and figure out this whole COVID thing. 
And um, I'll just shoot for the next one just because I hate when it's like difficult times like this. Like I can focus on other stuff. I can get to Japan like through other ways and more inspiring ways and trying to do it through the Olympics. So I just kind of thought about it that way. I'm like, you know, there's there's more to come. So I'll just shoot for it next year because I just feel like this year is just going to be like it, it won't be like have a real purpose. It'll be more for money in a sense. And you won't have like the, the great crowds and so forth and so on. So, yeah, you know, I just wait it out. It doesn't necessarily have to be this Olympics. There's always more to come. Yeah. The next one is in Paris. And I believe Damn. the next, next one is in Los Angeles. Oh, I think 2028. Okay. 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 That's convenient. Yeah, that would be, a, <laughs> that'd be a, a really convenient for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so since you originally come from Florida, do, do people in California, can they tell like from like the first moment they see you or talk to you? Yeah, usually when they talk to me, because I have an accent. <laughs> Some of like yeah, it's very Southern ah, for sure. Damn, okay. So um, I definitely get that a lot. They're like, where are you from? I'm, like, I'm from Florida. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, exotic right <laughs> yeah like what's what's like the the attitude towards like people from florida in california is there like any like stereotype or uh i'm pretty sure that i'm pretty sure there are some stereotypes i haven't heard not too many of them but uh i'm pretty sure there are stuff <laughs> i think just the way we we do things and go about things is probably you know like our biggest stereotype, you know, we always get like you Florida people are from a different country. I don't know what you got. <laughs> See, you actually move out of the state, but it just seems like all the news that you see, like whenever they say something about Florida, it'll be like Florida, Florida man. man. <laughs> like why? Why does it can't be a California man? You know why? You, why you know why that's Florida? Like why do we have our own distinct <laughs> freaking handle? <laughs> it's like yeah, like in the fever dream when i read the article sometimes i see like like ran like like not like some some news from the u.s arrives here as well and like the crazy ones are always from florida like what some random person in like some backwater talented it's a lot of that, a lot of backwoods man you like wow where did you come from dude like you are odd <laughs> <laughs> even i say that sometimes when i'm you know just from some of my, some of my people's like damn you have to be from Florida because that was some crazy ass shit you just pulled. Like, where are you from? <laughs> and it's most of the ones that are just out there in, in the backwoods and haven't seen like civilization in, in days and <laughs> got their own, own uh, thing going. So I guess that will kind of set them apart for sure. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's cool to know. Um, for the Paralympics, since you're considering or you're aiming to join the one after uh, the Tokyo one, do you already know what bike you're going to compete on? Like any idea? Oh, uh, definitely. It'll definitely be some kind of track bike for sure. Um, mm -hmm. And if there are other events, like maybe gravel or something, I might try to see if I can venture off into that. But I'm probably just going to try to stick to like one particular sport. Just because I love gravel riding and yeah. the those little gravel rides, just the, the endurance, the stuff you see. I, I really enjoy that, just being out there in nature and not being so confined and having to exert myself and put myself through that much pain. And you know you're going to put yeah. yourself through that much pain. It's like <laughs> you have to leave it on the track and you just constantly hear people just throwing up and you're going to be next. It's like, <laughs> oh, no. it's just like all these mind games. But it's always a, you know, 
you, you tend to like start riding and riding and you find yourself getting faster and you're like, oh, well, actually I got a shot. So, yeah, you know, that's the thing that's what I'm going to go for again. I mean, a lot of, yeah. a lot of my track bikes now just up these hills and they are super gnarly, like so mm -hmm. gnarly. Yeah, it would be cool if like, if you're like representing the U.S. and you're like the only one with like a steel, like a cross steel bike there. <laughs> Everyone else, else has like $10,000 carbon that's frame. literally what all you see there, dude. It's like everybody just has all these, you know, they bring like over $20,000 worth of stuff. And they didn't even, that's not even including their road bike that they brought just to kind of warm up on. I'm like, man, I ain't got it like that, dude. Like, I'll be bringing all this stuff and all these extra this, extra that. Like, you really need to be on the team to have all that stuff, like, stationary with you so they can take it. Yeah. So, yeah. Definitely some uh, some other efforts, but just having to bring multiple bikes like that is like, wow. Like, why? <laughs> yeah. And then you see, like, the the British team, the track cycling team, they have that crazy Hope X loaded bike. It's insane. And, insane. Yeah, and people... It's just crazy how every every Olympics or every few years there are all of these different takes on a bike. Like how much can you change yeah. on on the fixed gear bike, and people still find a way. To yeah. Especially with the UCI regulations. Yeah. <laughs> That's the crazy part. Every year the UCI steps in and like, nope, can't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. So for the next Paralympic, all you need is your steel frame, your fanny pack, your speaker. <laughs> That's it. I think it's gonna be the loudest thing on the track. <laughs> I wouldn't even need a crowd then. I'm on my own crowd. I got my music. <laughs> that that would be pretty cool. <laughs> like your own speaker. What is your training track bike at the moment? Uh, I've been using my lightning bolt. Um, oh. Of course, I have Fuji Track Elite that I, I ride every so often. But more so, my training bike. Um, I have a, a couple wheel sets for my lightning bolt. Uh -huh. And um, but I have, a, I have a power meter on it, <laughs> so oh, wow, it just makes it just makes it like really convenient to kind of see numbers and stuff like that. So yeah. I kind of use it more of like to go climb and stuff like that, and get in some of these mountains. I have it geared pretty easy to go climb, but uh, I just think more so just because of the the power meter. Just kind of I can kind of see numbers and stats and stuff like that and see where I'm at, and it's kind of definitely like I said, very user friendly for sure. <laughs> I've seen your last Instagram stories uh, where you put like the the atomic wheels on your oh yeah oh yeah so that I thing looks wheels. gnarly. <laughs> I had those wheels like on that that company gave them to me you know before I left because I wanted like some build some deep wheels I'm like all right cool so I had these rims maybe for like over a year I'm like finally you know Paul sent me some hubs <laughs> so I didn't have no measurements no. RD, no nothing. So I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna build them up. I'm like, oh shoot, I can't use up all the shops, like, you know, spoke nipples and spokes. So find like the right nipples. So we have all these different color ones that we never use. I'm like, oh, perfect. This will be even sweeter. I'll make it all colorful. <laughs> so the other issue I ran into is I ordered the wrong hub. I was like, oh shoot, like this thing is not the right whole, whole count. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to lace it without, well, with four holes missing on the front. But it worked. So I'm like, all right. And yeah, it looked like it home. worked. Yeah, it freaking worked. I took it for a ride yesterday. I didn't kill myself. So here we are. We're rolling deep. Got some show pieces now. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty nice. Oh, yeah, so I can definitely see the, the power meter now. 
<laughs> oh yeah, it's like a hey, Which one is it? Uh, it's a it's in um Leo's story, and you can see the the one with the big uh deep rims with the purple logos. Oh, I don't I don't have Instagram. <laughs> oh God. Oh yeah, don't declare, man. I'm living in the Stone Ages here. What's wrong with that? I'll send you a screenshot and I'll put it in the show notes. All right. All right. <laughs> okay, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. So, obviously, you, when you introduced yourself, you mentioned your accident and you being amputee, right? Yes. And this happened uh, over a decade ago. Oh yeah. Um, would you, in in that sense, would you consider yourself disabled, handicapped, or simply like? differently abled or and do you think that this is an important distinction to make it's so funny that I, I i just treat this my amputation like normal and everybody see me as normal like if i was to put a prosthetic on they probably would tell me to take it off they're like who the hell are you take that damn thing you don't know what the hell that is so it's just like uh i kind of just became normal again it's the way yeah. it's because the way i carry it myself like i'm pretty sure you know i was handicapped, disabled, but I just kept pushing and pushing myself to kind of be normal and just be part of society. That yeah, actually, just roll with it, right? Yeah, actually became part of society and it's just a normal thing to me. Like, I try to just make it like, you know, just the normal. Like, yeah, you just like, look, deal with the, the cards you were dealt. Just walk in stores and do this, just roll right into Walmart on my bike. And like, yo, hey, hey, no bikes. I'm like, hey, man, sorry, I I, I need it. Like, oh, oh, all right. <laughs> Mm -hmm. it's good yeah it's, it's interesting to hear that as well like i mean i was like looking at some of the comments on like under the state um yeah the riding up mountains video with you and there are all these people saying like well i i have no excuses now oh if this guy can do it i like i can do it like do, do those type of comments like bother you or annoy you or you just brush them off or you don't care even or yeah i just try you know just just keep doing it because just seeing that I can just change that person's life just by just riding by them. It's like, mm, it's just, yeah. you know, I feel like that's my job. Yeah, I mean, it's great to hear as well. It almost gets people in trouble sometimes, too, because, you know, they'll be arguing with their wife or something like that. <laughs> and then here I go ride by, like, ah, oh, yeah, and he got one leg and you can't do shit. And it's just like, oh, trouble now. Mm. <laughs> so I've heard right. that a few times for sure. <laughs> How has uh, like bikes discovering or like I don't know discovering bikes and cycling benefited you after after the, uh, what you've gone through the accident and all? Uh, it benefited me health wise just because now I'm constantly on the bike like my I'm I'm just always gonna be some kind of healthy something I'm always gonna be lean so it definitely just brought health you know brought my health up. Uh, I don't need to have any like wheelchair or a little scooter now, you know, I felt like that was kind of in the way thing for me. Um, having a prosthetic, yeah. I don't have to have something attached to me. I can just use this bike just to kind of get around. I need to go in stores or anything like that. I can just roll right in the store. I, you know, most of these places don't have like scooters or anything to, for me to like sit in. So they just let me roll right on in. Yeah. So that's kind of like the, the cool part of what I found out about it. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of like what it, what it was for me, just being able to see that I can just take my bike in the, in the store. I was like, oh, shoot, now nah, it's really part of me now. You know, it's almost like I got an iron. Yeah. 
And so like in that case, it definitely like allowed you, allowed you to be more like independent and give you like freedom to go wherever you wanted. That's pretty much it right there. It just allowed me to just kind of do whatever I wanted to do now. Yeah. Like I can just go anywhere. Like, and that's where kind of commuting, you know, taking the train and going here, going there. It just kind of, kind of opened my eyes. Like, wow, like I can just ride there. Don't have to worry about driving. Like all that gas money, I can buy that and use that for beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that's something that a lot of people can can learn from. That even if you're whatever, like a bit different. In, in your case, like you you lost your leg. In other people's cases, they lost other things or are differently able. You can still do things to be like yourself, and and you don't have to rely on on everyone else or anything else. Being part of the whole cycling community, you know, and how helpful, you know, we are and can be and just how we look at life. Uh, that's what kind of also, you know, gave me confidence as well. And just being, you know, just being welcoming. You know, the community was definitely welcoming to, you know, just me being me. <laughs> I wasn't necessarily trying to, like, take over the world or anything. I just was just out riding and, you know, seeing a bunch of people ride. I'm like, shit, I'm going to go do that too. And, and we all became cool and everybody just, just embraced it. And, and like cycling, cycling generally has like in like in general has like this reputation that is like dominated by middle-aged white guys always, right? Oh yeah. And and there are a bunch of initiatives around the world to help introduce like the hobby and the sport to a wider range of people, like including women, people of color, people with lower income, and so on. Do you think that there should be more things done to help people with like physical or mental impairments discover cycling? Yeah, but. I definitely say that, and I think with each person that does their their little foundation, I think they all have their purpose and and how they do things. Um, something I always done, I always just gave people bikes because I always had too much stuff. Like even growing up, before I was even like sponsored, I just always had like, yeah. I just accumulated so much stuff that you know, my friends, I would just hit them up like, yo, all right, I'm having a little sale, better pop on over, better get a wash cheap, before I put it on the market, and um. They would just come over, have a few beers, and they'd just be buying stuff like, hey, let me get that. How much for that? How much for that? And I would just kind of just sell it to them at like a really dumb price. But then as I started getting bigger, I started collecting bikes. And I would just see people that are in like need, need. Like, I know you're in need. Like, I know for sure that you're in need. Not just somebody that just reached out or anything like that. Like, I can see that you're in need. And, you know, I would just give them a bike. Like the the bike I recently gave away. Um, I gave away my, my All-City Cosmic Stallion to a gentleman that was also an amputee. Um, he was, yeah, he's missing the same, like, it was almost like he's like my Doppler, my Doppler twin, like, we're like twins or something. Like, he's an amputation, like, same height, and, you know, he was, he was a black dude, and I was like, wow, like, this is this is insane. And he was trying to get in the ride, but he didn't know how to, right? And... You know, he works as a physical therapist and everything like that. And he was just going to go buy a bike, but he didn't know nothing too much about it. I'm like, hold on. I'm going to give you a bike. Just just sit tight. I'm going to give you a bike. Don't even worry about one. So I had it. Um, it was just going to just sit back home anyway. So I just had it shipped over and just bought him a shoe. And he was off to the races. And I just gave him a whole bike, whole shoe. Like it was already set up. Like it was, that was like my daily bike <laughs> and got him rolling and he was, he's happy. Like, like I said, it doesn't necessarily have to be someone homeless. It's just, he just wasn't as educated yeah. in the cycling world. 
and he's also an amputee and he just was just we're gonna go buy a bike and end up getting one for free like that's all all one needs i think like like a good friend that can introduce you to it right yeah and it also helped him with his job as a uh, physical therapist and i think a lot of times i like hearing people's stories on where they came from and just hearing you know his story on you know he didn't have anything he didn't have no help you know during his accident because i think he was in a car accident and you know no family no help he was just on his own just trying to you know get it all figured out and he figured it out it's just you know yeah sometimes you still need that little boost to kind of get you going That's all it takes yeah like i i asked this question because i i, I an article was released yesterday of of um like of um this bike sharing service in brussels in belgium that is aimed at offering rental bikes for people with different disabilities like recumbent bikes bikes like wheelchair bikes etc and i not really like yeah. like brought a tear to my eye that because you can see all of these bike sharing apps in like san francisco and new york and they're all just for people that are like normal like that i'll I'll just say normally abled right. and and there's like a gap that people mm -hmm. are left out of and i think it's it's a big shame because like you said before if you're able to cycle you really are able to do most things in life like explore and and take care of yourself etc and yeah so yeah i personally also wish that there were more initiatives to to involve people with like physical mental impairments are often cast aside to involve them in the cycling community i think that'd be really cool um okay and one more uh, uh so since I mean, I'm just really focusing on 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 this, but since uh, you've lost your leg, are there any parts of like society, like the way cities are structured, or buildings, or things you do with friends that like stand out to you now that are like like a bit troublesome, like the way things are designed, or things you don't really think about until you're actually doing it? Oh, as far as like the bike itself, or no, no, just in general, like if, if like like slippery stairs. Like, I don't know. I'm just like thinking like, is there anything that is a challenge without even thinking about it? Oh, dude, everybody I know stays upstairs for some odd reason. It's probably like the only <laughs> like crazy thing. And like, you know, I have to kind of do a lot of stairs. I got used to it, but it's like, ah, oh, I guarantee you stay upstairs, don't you? Like, yeah, but stay on the third floor. I'm like, ah, oh, great. Here we go. <laughs> Oh man, so yeah, okay, so stairs are like a are a thing that used to be like in the back of your mind, but now you really need to focus on them. It's almost like parkour. I can imagine, yeah. And I'm I'm already like bitching about having to take my bike like one flight of stairs. I'm like, ah, okay, I'll cycle next time then. Don't feel like it today. <laughs> uh so anything anything you have in the plans for like the few the few next weeks, like competitions, events? Um, I got BWR Belgian Waffle Race coming up in a couple of weeks that I'm gonna uh -huh. go do, and then um after that is a Granduro well all, well first Mission Crit. I doubt if I'll do it, but I will be there for Mission Crit. Yeah. Um, and then um we also got Granduro in September, so those will feel like back to back, and then um Sea Otters after that in October, and then I'm just gonna just try to do like some fun stuff like you know do some alley cats to kind of show my little local support. Damn, busy. Yeah. Kind of go venture off and visit some races. 
go back home for a second. Go see the fam. <laughs> busy schedule. Yeah. Yeah, I try to keep myself busy, you know, keep myself occupied. I feel like Mission Cricket is going to be one of the first script since a while now. That thing is going to be off the chart. Yeah. Where is it located? Uh, San Francisco. San Francisco and like, like down in the Bay Area or more like up the hills? I think they're in the Mission area, like the Bay Area. Uh-huh. Uh, that's going to be, that's going to be something for sure. Dude, it's going to be crazy. And since there's no Red Hook, like that's kind of the only thing we have. Yeah. Red Hook mm -hmm. is no more. Rip. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be nuts. Like seeing all the fixies. Kind of glad I got these wheels built up for that. <laughs> Just like yeah. roll around with a little fixie kid. <laughs> have you ever took place in a in a crit before? Uh, I've done I've done a few road crits, and a few uh, fixie crits, but I do so much velodrome. So I've done so much velodrome stuff. I'm more just kind of just stayed in my lane with the gravel. So usually, like the the gravel, like the uh, track lacrosse stuff, I used to have like a fighting chance, just because there's a lot of turns, a lot of this, a lot of that. Little dismount, arm mount, and it, you know, it definitely takes a little more bike handling skills. Mm -hmm. So, I've definitely done a lot more, uh, I guess, of those kind of races, track lacrosse stuff. But I don't know, I might venture into it. It's a lot of it that goes on around here in LA. So, I might get back into it again. What's your favorite city to cycle in? Ah, favorite city to cycle in. I feel like I haven't even tapped in that yet, just because I'm constantly visiting new cities. And once I visit one city, I'm like, oh, this is it, this is it. And then I go to another city, like, oh, no, this is it, this is dope. Um, <laughs> Maybe you just love cycling so much, everything is perfect. Yeah, I love cycling and just love, you know, what the city kind of brings. So I haven't found a city that I could say I completely, you know, love the most. Um, yeah, just because each city has its own little thing that they bring to the table, what makes it cool. Mm, that's one way to look at it, yeah. Yeah, it's just interesting. Like, every city has their own little something that kind of just makes you like, wow, okay. I wouldn't mind, you know, even like living here or something just because of the, how cool it is. I am just like a big fan and, and really impressed about like. Everything that's going on with Crossbike, with the Brooks team, uh, Ultra Dynamico too, I think, got got in. Many, many cool brands uh, supporting the cool athletes and everything he does. And I think it's just, yeah, it's, I just think it's rad. I, apart from that, I pretty have nothing much to add. <laughs> like you said, with Crossbikes and even like uh, Ultra Romance, with his bags and stuff like that and what they're doing with tires. Like, they've definitely also been a really big help as well. Just, you know, keep me uh bagged up with all the, the cool bags. And, you know, I run through tires quite often. So, uh, yeah, they keep me with tires for sure. Yeah, Ultra Demonco tires are really, really nice tires. Yeah. The new one they released, the, the Mars one, the one that is like Bordeaux color, it's so nice. I don't have the red ones because the red ones only come in 26, but I have yeah. the, uh, the 27 and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that come in like that light gray. Yeah, he gave me some of those first. And that's what I have on my Bombora now. Yeah, no, that's... Those are like really, really good looking. And people here in France are struggling to get some, but... Very exclusive. It's almost like 
trying to get like some Nike SBs or something. <laughs> 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 so it's like, oh, what's the weight list? All right, all right. <laughs> never, all right. So you kind of got to be on it. It's kind of like a thing, like waiting on some Yeezys or something. Yeah, the Yeezys of cycling. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. This is pretty much all we have time for today. Leo, anything you would like to add? Um, thank you guys uh, for what you're doing and inviting me onto your show. And this was awesome. And love that you guys are having bike talk and not only just bike talk, just regular talk. I love uh, just talking about random stuff. <laughs> so, uh, thank you, man. This is, this is great. I don't know. We, we really thank you again for, for coming on the show. Uh, yeah. we're gonna go on to the, the after show now. I'm just gonna do the outro real quick. As always, guys, everything we discussed today will be in the show notes on the blog, slowspinsociety.com. You'll also find the suggestion box where you can tell us what we should talk about in the podcast. You can find us on our Discord server. The invite link is also in the show notes or with our Instagram account at slowspinsociety. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show by giving us a good review on the platform of your choice. If you get value out of the show, why not consider putting value back in, either by supporting us on Apple Podcasts with their new subscription program, or by visiting patreon.com slash slowspinsocietypodcast to join the community where pledging at any level will grant you access to the pre and after show, which is around 40 minutes of extra content per week. We are now at... 24 Patreons bringing us even closer to our monthly goal and more privileges for every tier. Thank you so much for your support. The music for the show is Lovely Swindler by Amaria and the illustration is by at Julia Joe on Instagram. Well, guys, it's been an awesome episode with Leo and we're going to go on to the after show. Leo, thank you again. And I guess everyone will see you next Monday. See yeah. you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.